Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. A good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. Eric Kane, along with Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, Rob Lewis, and a big thanks as always to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions. For making the VolQuest podcast possible. Uh, give them a call today for a free estimate if you have the need, 865-524-588, or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. A whole lot to get into. We've got uh, great coverage over at VolQuest.com, so no better time right now to take advantage of that June promo. Uh, right now, recruiting all over the place. Tennessee going to Super Regionals, the baseball team. Uh, so not a better time in the world than to join VolQuest and our friends on the Journal's Quarters than right now. Going to talk a whole lot today about some recruiting, some baseball, but first let's go ahead and get started. The announcement that we knew was coming, the announcement that took forever to get here, uh, but on the the next to last day of the SEC spring meetings, the SEC is going to an eight-game conference schedule, Brent, for the 2024 season, ditching divisions, uh, but it looks like it's going to be a one-off before they hopefully go to a nine-game schedule for the foreseeable future after that. Well, it's a one-off, and we'll see what it looks like after that. I think you've still got a lot of people who uh, are not in favor of a nine-game schedule. I don't know that they're going to be any more in favor of it after the 24 season either. Um, so I think you got some people kicking the can down the road. Now, if more money gets involved, maybe that changes some things. But um, the, the bottom line, Austin, is the, the commissioner didn't get what I think he wanted, which was a nine-game schedule because he didn't they didn't have the votes to do it. Um 
you know, presidents and ADs came back and said, well, I need more information. Like they hadn't gathered any information, Rob, in the last year on, on scheduling. Um, so they kicked the can down the road is what they did. They, they kicked it down the road for a year and we'll, we'll see what happens uh, after that. It, it, they're going to have a hard time with the 6-3 model, it sounds like, because they're going to be a lot of screaming foul like we thought there would be over who gets what as their natural rival or their or their year annual rival to, to find the balance that some people want. Yeah, and, and I think you're going to have a lot of screaming come June 14th when they announce you know next year's schedule because I think there inevitably just like there was in 2020 when they did the schedule and go well that ain't fair that's not fair that you know I mean it's it's you know look so and so gets set up to have a good year we have to go through murderers row. Again, I think Tennessee plays Alabama. I think Tennessee plays Vanderbilt. And I think Tennessee plays Florida. I do not think they play Georgia. Um, I just think that that's the team that's left off Tennessee's schedule in 2024. But we'll see what happens. I, you know, I mean, ultimately, I don't think it matters immensely because you got quality programs. Even when they're down, Florida still has athletes and they're capable. Auburn was down, but they're capable. A&M has been down, but it's capable. LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, the you know Mississippi schools when they're up can can be very capable. Arkansas will be breaking in a new quarterback, but it's still super capable. So I mean, it's not like that you're going to be playing a bunch of Vanderbilts on your schedule, right? I mean, you know, it, it, ultimately, if Tennessee doesn't have one of the two, either either Alabama or Georgia, then that's a real win. But it's still going to be a tough sled, no matter where you are in this league. So you're going to take the top two teams in the SEC now. Those top two teams will go on and play in Atlanta for an SEC championship. And, uh, Rob, when you kind of look at it, uh, you know, we, we kind of already mentioned Greg Sankey wants a nine-game schedule. Uh, it, it feels like they're wanting to revisit this and have a resolution for, you know, beyond the 2024 season by sometime, you know, this time next year. But one of the main reasons that they didn't go to it initially was they want to see the filling out process for the expanded college football playoffs. And you're not going to see that a year from now, right? And so – Maybe this really is will be a kicking the can down the road type situation for a couple of years before Greg Sankey eventually maybe gets what he wants. Yeah, I'll I'll just be really surprised if it doesn't get there eventually, and and I I think money will make it happen. I mean, Hubbard, I mean that's, that, that's the reason we're going to you know Texas Oklahoma are coming into this thing. I mean that's the reason the college football playoff is going to twelve teams. I mean it's all about money at the end of the day, and uh, I think. I'll be stunned if, you know, a year from now or two years from now, ESPN doesn't turn to the table and is like, you know, all right, what, what's the number? You know, what what do we need to get to, to to play nine games so we don't have to play, you know, show Alabama versus the Citadel at noon on Saturday? Well, here's the thing I think is going to be interesting, too, that for the SEC. Um, the, only, the only criticism the SEC has ever taken or has taken the last few years is not punishing some kid that, you know, people around around the country think it needs to be punished more, and that that everybody's biased towards the SEC, that they draw great they they draw great favor. Now you're going to have a different level of criticism, I think, this fall and certainly in 24. How many times are we going to see when the college football playoff standings and, and rankings come out? Are we going to have a commentator say, "Well, you know"? This is because they're an eight-game schedule. How, how much does the eight-game schedule start to take the narrative about well they get they you know they get favor or or their strength of schedule 
should be should be different because they're, they should be playing nine games instead of eight games. Do they get that criticism from ESPN or do they not? I think that's something to watch too. Well, I don't think they'll get it from ESPN because ultimately ESPN owns the rights to the SEC. But I do think that you'll see the narrative crafted hover around college football by, by those like you know the 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 clats of the world and some of those people that don't you know necessarily you know Danny Canal that that hate the SEC. They're going to craft that narrative. But let's face it, eight games in this league still better than nine or ten games in one of those other leagues. I mean, like, no offense to the Big Ten. And, again, I've never understood how they divide their their league when, like, literally every Blue Blood's on one division and then it's, like, Nebraska and Wisconsin, Minnesota and Iowa and a bunch of weird teams over here to the west. But, uh, you know, you're never going to play a schedule in the Big Ten that is tougher than the schedule that, you know – one of these teams plays in this league, especially once they, you know, quit the, you know, the divisions and they kind of, it's a hodgepodge, right? And you're rotating all over the place. I, I just don't see it. But again, I think you're right. I think that narrative from those people, the the few that, that, that hate this league, they will hundred percent grab the narrative you're talking about. Yeah. And, but, but they don't have an, they don't have the biggest voice. I mean, you know, so, and again, it, it was fascinating to me, Rob, to see Sankey's kind of rope-a-dope play last week, right? On Monday, it was, you know, we are, we're on the forefront and, and we advance and, and um, you know, we're not shying away and, and it's not about money and, and all these types of things. And then it becomes, you know, well, we, we, we look at the last, game that was played you know we play I mean like he was like all right this is where I want to go wait a minute I don't have enough votes to go there so now I'm going to turn this into where eight games is still a good thing um so some pretty nifty PR work to try to get through that and um you know they'll take some criticism over it I'm sure and and we'll see uh if the money gets to where they want it to get to 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 be a nine game schedule at some point again I wonder if they go nine game Rob if it doesn't become an eight and one with one natural rival. I just think – I just don't know that they're going to pull off the votes for a six and three because I think you're going to have enough of the people that count right now screaming foul about who their three annual would be every year, which I now, thought was I, always I, the case. I mean, you know. Oh, I mean, I, I think three is going to be tough. I mean, I, I think ideally – that I mean, that's kind of like what I would like to see as somebody who grew up you know, watching this league like like you did, Brent. But I I just think there's going to be too much, you know, belly aching and you know finger pointing that you know look at you know look who they got compared to who we got. I I just think it's going to be really hard to make that work. But, I think if I think if you get it, it's going to be like Alabama's going to be the one that's screaming bloody murder, right? And everybody's pointed at Nick from when he made the comments back in February about LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. I think if if the most likely scenario for it to go 6-3 is if they lessen that third game for a couple of those teams that do have a little bit of a murderer's row. And, again, no one's going to sit there and go, oh, poor Alabama. I mean, like, they've been the classic college football for 15 years. Um, but, like, I wonder if they go Auburn, Tennessee, and then Mississippi State instead of LSU, and you don't get LSU-Alabama every year. Like, well, I, I wonder if that that's where we end up getting to if they go 6-3 is that third game – no one's got three upper tier teams or traditional upper tier teams in the history of college football. Which is why, Eric, I think you can, and I said this months ago, you know, it, it's still the same number of games. Why couldn't you do seven and two? 
I mean, you look at most teams in this league have two pretty good rival games, right? And then you can rotate the rest. I mean, if you're Texas, Texas is going to play Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Tennessee play Alabama, Vanderbilt. Florida plays Georgia and whoever, you know. Uh, I mean, you, you could – to me – it's easier to find two natural rivals that make sense instead of forcing that third one, which might be a harder game for some people. I, I think they're trying to push to the whole, like, getting to every school in a four-year. Yeah. Like, everybody yeah. can go play at every school in four years. Yeah, I agree. If you're seven and two, I don't think you can do that. The math doesn't check out, right? And, and, and Am I wrong on that? I'm pretty sure. And you does. can't do it at six and three, right? No, you can do it at six and three. Well, I think, I think you, it's, if you're if you're rotating seven if you're rotating seven games instead of six games, then you're obviously yeah you can get there in four years. If you if you have a seven rotators instead of six rotators, that's one more rotation of games. You'd actually probably play somewhere twice instead of just one time over a four year period. You would get to everywhere because that math still worked out when they were doing the one seven or when they were talking about doing the one seven. You could still play every team and go to every venue in the SEC if you play for four years. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, I, I think eventually, you know, that I, I agree that that's, that's kind of what they want to do. Uh, you want to get to nine games because you are the SEC, but uh, you're going to have to get more of a revenue. You know, you're going to have to you'll figure out that TV package with ESPN, which I feel like, you know, might not happen now because they're going through layoffs and they're going to, you know, re-up with the NBA. And I think they're trying to purchase WWE or something like that. I don't know. They're doing a lot right now, but Eventually, you know, if you have one more conference game, you know, none of these athletic directors or chancellors or presidents are going to sign off to another conference game unless you get a bigger piece of the pie and money talks. So whether that's 25 or 26 or whatever, I do eventually feel like once you get more money from your TV partners, it's going to move in that direction. It's just not going to start in 2024. Well, and remember this too, and this is my, kind of my last thing on it, for all the people that are talking about, you know, nobody wants to watch – you know, Tennessee and Austin P and, and nobody wants to watch the Citadel and Alabama. And, and that's true. I mean, that, th those aren't drawing TV ratings. I give you that, but, but the passion of this conference, they're still coming. They're still buying the season tickets. Even if the, even if the home schedule is not the greatest home schedule, I mean, with the exception of a few schools around this conference, everybody's selling season tickets. You know, and so that's one of the caveats, too. It's not like they have to have that game. Yeah, the fans, you know, a lot of the fans, yeah, that's what they want to play. But, Rob, if they don't play them, I mean, this is a conference that played 10 games 15 or 20 years ago, and you played, what, six conference games, and you played, you know, Army and Colorado State and these people, and they still came, you know, and, and they're still going to come in this league. The, the fans are still going to come to games in this league. I don't do it at all, but the schools, I mean, and the, and the, if you're talking about the season tickets, like you are, Herbert, I mean, how it's, it's a pretty negligible amount that you could probably get for, you know, in the big picture. I mean, how much more would you charge for a game against Arkansas than, than you do Austin P on the ticket? You know, 30 bucks, maybe. I mean, for a, for a program like Tennessee, I mean, I'm not saying that's nothing, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, a huge deal. And, 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 yeah, at the end of the day, just like people buy season basketball tickets and don't show up for the, you know, in November, same, you know, baseball. I mean, that's how it's going to be in football. But I could, I could see why ESPN would be very, very, very interested in, in getting one more weekend of all SEC football. 
Um, for sure. They're, they're interested in this whole process because on June 14th, they get a TV show out of it. And then at some point between, you know, now and this time next year, they'll have another TV show to announce the dates for the 2024 schedule. We get the opponents in June 14th. We'll get the dates and times at a later date. So trying to make it almost a year around top situation. I was just going to say, AP, go ahead. Yeah. I've been sitting over here uh, doing math because, you know, I, I, I you know. I don't want somebody to go, good, these guys can't do math. So if you did the 7-2, and two, it just wouldn't work out because you're going to be at 9, and then there's only 15 teams because you can't count yourself. So then the f- second year, you'd be 6. So, like, there would be this weird one that you would play back-to-back, but then you wouldn't play the following year. Like, it would not – you know, does that make sense? Like, it would not be the same. Whereas the 6-3, you play, you know, 12 of the teams in a two-year span, and then you have your three apartments, which gets you to the 15 number. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that, but – you would go what, – what I'm saying is you would get there. You just would get somewhere twice. Yeah, it would just – I don't know how you would break up the whole – like that one that one game that you would overlap. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Tennessee would finish right. the Ole Miss back-to-back years instead of rotating them off. So, like, how, yeah. how does that rotation work? Like, I think that, yeah, I that would require way more juggling, I guess, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, Before and remember, we this, remember this, too, at the end of the day. The, the people, they'll never admit it because they all played Switzerland. They all, I don't care. We want to keep our rivalries. We play all comers. We want to do this. These ADs and presidents voted for two reasons. One, money. Two, their head coach told them where to vote. <laughs> yeah, they did. So, so th- there's enough head coaches in this league that want to play an eight-game schedule. Um, so, we'll see where, where this thing gets to. Now, they get away with the fact that you know, Kirby Smart, this is the most overblown topic known to man. Okay, what'd you say behind closed doors, right? Nick, Nick Saban was, started this narrative in, in January. The only one that came out and said, hey, this is dumb, is Eli Drinkowitz, okay, who just talks to hear himself talk a lot of times about things. You know, but everybody else publicly was, hey, I'm good with it. That's not necessarily how all those coaches feel. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, a year ago, Hubbard, we're sitting here and what three teams out of the out of the league voted for eight. Everybody else was at nine. And then once everybody found out kind of who they would probably be playing, everybody's like, wait a minute, this, I'm not sure I'm for nine anymore. I thought we were getting Vanderbilt. <laughs> but I feel like as a you know, Tennessee fans listening to this podcast right now, you're saying play Alabama every year the last fifteen years has been the best team in the world. Who cares, right? I mean regardless teams will cycle it doesn't feel like that way right now with the way Georgia's playing Alabama the last decade plus but teams will cycle through it and go up and down and up and down I mean that's just that's just college football and who knows how long this would be in place for right I mean there's been divisions since what 91 it's been a long time but before that Tennessee played Auburn every single year so you know things change all the time uh recruiting changes all the time no history that can't Write it down, Hubs. Kane knew that they played Auburn way before the, the divisional stuff. Oh, yeah. I've he heard, did. I've he, heard, but he I've didn't heard know the when Tennessee Auburn play stuff started. all the time. He didn't know when divisional play started. But other than that, he, other than that, that was a pretty good history deal. That was pretty good by Eric Kane. Good research. D- divisional play, was that was that 94 then? 92. 92. You said 92. I was right around there, guys. I was right around, I, I knew Tennessee I played I'm, Auburn every I'm, time. Same year. Hey, hey. It was the they, – they, they started division play the year after – I Kirby Puckett. I knew you were going to say that. Kirby Puckett beat the Braves. <laughs> I knew they, you were going to say Kirby Puckett. They, play, they played that in um, – that was my first year in college when it went to uh, divisional play. 
That's how's how that I remember it. How's that for you? And you weren't born yet. So there you go. Wasn't born. Wasn't even a thought. Um, things that do change every single day, though, is recruiting. And um, awesome Price, you had the uh, night at Neyland this past weekend. Some of these underclassmen camps that are going on going on throughout the month of June. Uh, official visitors come in this weekend. Two big official visit weekends the last two weekends of June. A guy that took an official visit to Clemson last weekend was Sammy Brown. And it looks like Dabo worked some uh, worked some of his magic this past weekend. That's correct. Every kid can can, can go where they want to go. Sam, Sammy seems like a sure a – sure, uh, really does seem like a – a really good kid. Um, I'm not sure his family was, you know, thrilled that he was, you know, pulling the trigger now versus, you know, at least taking the visits, but he wanted to, to put an end to the process. So, you know, thus he did. So, you know, I mean, like you look at Sammy and, you know, again, Tennessee did as well as they could do here on their official visit two weeks ago. Sometimes you, your best just isn't good enough. And, you know, you, you can hold your head high. On to more uh, pressing linebackers. Edwin Spillman, way more of a realistic shot than Sammy Brown ever was going to be. Tylen Singleton, um, LSU, TCU, Tennessee for that one. Jordan Burns, kid out of Atlanta, uh, was here for uh, A65 Live a few weeks ago. We'll be back for an official visit here soon. So those linebackers carry way more weight, um, you know, for Tennessee than Sammy Brown. Tennessee shot their shot. They would have loved to have had him, but they were always kind of – you know, fighting an uphill battle. The other ones we just talked about, way more realistic. AP, what's the sting factor for Georgia on this one? Um, it's going to be through the roof, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a big blow to Georgia. Now, they're super deep at linebacker, right? I so, know, that's part of the reason. Local in state kid. But, but yeah, they, they felt like they had that one. Um, and, and a lot of you know, again, the people around Sammy. They weren't pushing Clemson, which is why the notion that, you know, Clemson had kind of taken a tumble. But, you know, Dabo had the kid. And the kid, you know, told the people around him, this is where I want to be. And, you know, they didn't stand in his way. And so that's why Sammy ends up at Clemson. I don't want to waste more time talking about Sammy again. He was a long shot anyways. Let's talk about people Tennessee's got a real shot at. Well, what about Kingston Lopa? It was a guy that Tennessee was in great position with, but now it's not going to visit here until the season, right? Yeah, going to take his official uh, – pushed it back to uh, – wants to come to a game. Um, was supposed to come in this coming weekend, but uh, that's got pushed back. Still think Tennessee's, you know, in, in, in decent shape there coming off his visit for A65 Live. Um, you know, but again, the longer this one goes, the more you kind of enter into, uh, you know, you know some different uh, deals. I mean, Oregon and Washington, they're going to continue to push hard there as two West Coast schools. He originally had them set up to visit at the end of the month. Then I think he canceled those, but you know those, those end up may going back on. We'll see. Um, either way, you know Tennessee is uh, going to continue to swing big there for the uh, athlete from Grant High School there in Sacramento. So this weekend, will of course you had Sammy Brown in two weekends ago. Nobody here this past weekend, but this upcoming weekend you'll have a couple before the last two weekends. There's going to be massive. Who are some of those guys that plan on at least at this time being in this weekend for? Clemson? Well, it's way early in the week, Eric, and and the, and the fact is, like you know, you know, Max Anderson's coming in. Uh, I think there's a chance Chase Tyler makes it in. Maybe one, two more. Maybe they may get up to as many as four. Um, but uh, again, I think a lot of that's to be determined over the course of the next few weeks. Um, you know, Max is a guy that's you know kind of been trending to Tennessee for a while. Um, we'll come in this weekend and uh, we'll kind of see what, you know, how this thing plays out with uh, the young man from Texas. 
You guys have been working some of these prospect camps uh, over the last week, week and a half or whatever. Any notables from the night at Neyland or from the camp uh, a, little, a couple of days ago last week? Well, I mean, David Sanders, man, he looks like a million dollars, top 20, top offensive tackle in 2025. Um, you know, really, really good looking kid. Well, he's about 255, 260, which is what you want. I mean, you know, you, you kind of build them up from when they get to college and they don't come in with a bunch of bad weight on them. And uh, super long, super athletic, and uh, really moves well. Tennessee obviously offered Brody Smith, the son of Lee Smith. Um, I think that's a smart offer, Hubbard. You know, big physical offensive lineman. He's at a, at a 50, as a 15 year old kid, he's taller than Trevor Duncan is, and Trevor's an athletic specimen. So he was uh, <laughs> he was pretty happy when he measured in. He was like an eighth of an inch taller than Trevor Duncan um, over at night at Neyland, and then. You know, Tennessee's going to continue to, you know, see what happens with Deuce Knight, the four-star offense or four-star quarterback from down in the state of Mississippi. Um, you know, to me, it's T, George, Madden, you know, kind of the top three quarterbacks on the board. The one thing we're working against Madden is he's not played a game. You know, any games he's played, they were up 74 to nothing out there. And so, like, it, you know, you got a running clock. You're just trying to run it out. You're not really throwing it a whole lot. I think his recruitment continues to go boom. Um, it's starting to go boom now with him going to camp. So I think it really goes boom this fall when he gets on the field. Deuce Knight, you see him right here. Um, you know, Tennessee continues to be in a really good spot right there. Um, and then, you know, Georgia's coming in town coming up on Sunday. And so we'll be interested to see, you know, kind of the, the remarks out of Georgia's uh, visit and camp uh, performance coming up uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting deal at the quarterback spot in that class, just kind of how, how the, the dominoes fall and – and who you're waiting on, who you're not waiting on, what are you doing, all those things. That's why Josh Heupel's making $9 million a year to, to make yeah. those decisions because, um, you know, are you taking the first one that wants to come in? Do you really have somebody that you like a lot more and you're saying, hey, I'm I'm all in for this one only, or is it really 1A and 1B and all those types of things? Um, it's a good problem to have. Don't get me wrong, okay? It's, it's a really good problem to have at the quarterback position. Um, but but that's going to be fascinating to see how this summer kind of plays out with those twenty five quarterbacks. Those well, quarterbacks in the class of twenty five. Hundred percent agree. I mean, like you know, you know again, I, if you said how do you how do you stack this thing up? If I'm stacking it, and again, I'm not Josh Heupel, but if I'm stacking it, it's George's one, slightly below him is Deuce, and then I think right there with Deuce is Madden. Again, I think you have to let it play out. He's not played, and I think that's the one thing that. You know, you get to the fall, he, you, he, you may watch three games of film and go, whoa. Like, he's just kind of been sitting there waiting in the wings. All of a sudden, he's got his shot. I do love the fact he cut his hair, so he kind of differentiates himself from Big Brother, um, you know, just because, you know, he wants to be not Nico's little brother. He wants to be Madden, right? And so, um, I'm, I'm very interested to kind of see how this plays out. Here's the one thing I would tell you. I think everybody here would agree. If – you miss on Deuce Knight, and Deuce Knight goes somewhere and he plays well. You'll hear about it a little. If you miss on George or, or you know, whatever, and George goes somewhere else and plays well, you'll never not hear about it. I mean, it'll be the constant. You think this debate on the general's quarters is rich. It'll be million threads about McIntyre if he's, you know, throwing the ball at Clemson or some other school and not Tennessee, much like you know, we had to hear about you know, Trevor Lawrence for several years. So, um, again, I, I think you just got to let it play out and see what happens. But, you know, again, kid's got a uh, ton of talent. He'll be here uh, 
coming up on Sunday for camp, and then we'll see where it goes from there. A lot going on right now in the world of recruiting. June is always a big month. You've got camps going on right now, looking ahead to the class of 25 and 26. Of course, 2024 visitors visiting officially during this month, and you can catch it all right here at BallQuest.com. I mentioned that promo earlier. It's 50% off for your first year or $1 for three months, your first three months. I mean, incredible deals going on right now for the month of June. 50% off your first year or $1 for three months. Come and join us here at VolQuest.com. Big thank you to our friends over Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Again, thanks to our friends at Exterior Home Solutions. Be sure and subscribe to VaultQuest.com as well. As Eric mentioned, you can get a year for half price throughout the month of June. It's a great promo going on. There's no better way to check us out throughout this fall and, and throughout the winter. And obviously throughout the rest of this month, as there's more baseball to play, Eric Kane, the Tennessee baseball team, Tony Vitello's team goes to Clemson uh, in that regional and takes care of business. Uh, look, they played clean baseball. I mean, the, the, the Clemson game itself was, 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 was a super regional game. I mean, it, it was, it was so well played, but for, for three games over there, that's as clean as this Tennessee baseball team has played behind their pitchers. It's as complete as they've played in terms of doing all the little things the right way. That's gotta be a really positive sign for Tennessee heading into super regionals. No doubt. I mean, you're seeing how good this team can be when it's, you know, reaching its potential. And I mean, it wasn't a perfect weekend, don't get me wrong, but Tennessee as a team was perfect. Didn't lose. It, it took down Charlotte in two games, and there's some good ball players on Charlotte's club and, you know, had some had some decent pitching. Then you go to Clemson, and you're squaring off against, you know, a, a really talented left-handed pitcher uh, through a, a gym against Tennessee. And credit Tennessee, man, that, that mental fortitude – um, you weren't getting as many hits as you wanted to, but you were staying. You, you were you were staying locked in. The at bats were good, and then coming down to the ninth inning, you start that little rally, right? You get a single from Christian Moore. Blake Burr gets a single. Down to your last strike, Zane didn't put you ahead, and and then you fall back down. Game tied, and and this team would not have won a game like that Saturday night two months ago. This team would not have won this game back in March, but the mental fortitude to stay in your shoes and. When you load the bases in the 10th inning and there's no outs, not to freak out. I mean, the win probability at that point was like less than 1%, right? You found a way out of it. You got the strikeout and had that nice double play. It goes on and on and on. And then you find you find a way, right? Hunter Ensley's 0 for 6 with four strikeouts. Doesn't matter. You're as good as your last at bats. You know, dr drive in that game-winning run and Seth Halverson closed the door. I mean, that game was incredible. But Friday's game was incredible from Andrew Lindsay. Saturday or Sunday's game was incredible uh, from Drew Bream, he, he looked really good. Zane Denton, Christian Moore, uh, what weekends. But to your point, yes, uh, clean baseball, not beating yourselves in the field, 
The pitching was about as good as you could have hoped for in terms of how you wanted to manage that. And Tennessee's off to super regional play. And uh, credit the team, credit the coaching staff. They earned it. Well, I mean, they did not commit an error over there all weekend long, which they've not had a weekend three-game set against anybody this year where they've done that, where they played completely clean. They made all the little plays that they need to have. But, Rob, for me, one of the storylines that come, that came out of this weekend that I think says a lot about kind of where the mental makeup of this team is right now and how far they've grown. You had Andrew Lindsay, who went to the coaching staff very early in the week and said, you're going to give me the ball against Charlotte to open things. That's the team he played for. He wanted the ball and basically told Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson, we're going to have some issues if I don't get the ball on that first night. Okay, there's no debate on who's starting. I, I should be your starter. And then you get in that Clemson game, and, and, and Chase Burns, Rob, basically waves Tony Vitello off at the dugout. Don't come out here and get me. That's something that I don't know that this team would have done six weeks ago. And, and I don't think it's a defiant, like, oh, this team's defying their coach. They don't respect their coach. It's not that at all. That's just where their competitiveness is right now. And I think that's a very positive thing for this team as they get ready for super regional play. Yeah, I just thought a lot of grit this weekend is what jumped out at me. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but the way the way they grinded it out Saturday against Clemson, I, I thought was just super impressive. Um, and I, you could point to, you know, all kinds of, you know, different things, or, you know, that was the key. You know, Christian Moore, just incredibly timely hitting. Obviously, you know, Zane didn't, was a superstar, but I, to me, I, I and every, everybody can have a different opinion, but I, I thought that Burns on, on Saturday going, you know, six plus innings was just a huge, huge factor. And, and it was when we, when Clemson is, you know, going to the bullpen, like you know, just every five minutes and Tennessee's able to put, you know, good, what, 14 innings and, and, and not be able to eat up all their arms. I, I, I felt like that just put Tennessee in a tremendous um, you know position of, of, of power going in. Even if they would have lost Saturday night, I, to only use three arms in that game, I think would have really set Tennessee up well for Sunday. I, I, for, for me, I just go back to, like, look at all the players on this team that were afterthoughts or left for dead in the middle of the year that are now playing such a key role. I mean, early in the year, I mean, like, you just, like, bang your head anytime Christian Scott would come to the plate, you know, in, in a key RBI situation when Tennessee needed runs. And, again – you know, he's not perfect, but, I mean, he has provided some, you know, timely fielding, uh, timely hitting for this baseball team. Griffin Merritt has got three game-winning home runs, all in SEC play. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, middle part of the year, like, you're like, man, this guy, he's struggling. He can't, you know, can't snap out of it. They've got him out of the lineup. Finally, he kind of gets his groove back and, I mean, you know, really is seeing the ball well. Now they've got, got him back and clean up. That's why you don't, you know, close the door on Blake Burke kind of snapping out of it, right? I mean, he struggled for such a, you know, stretch here. But you know, can he find his groove heading into Supers, heading into potentially uh, Omaha? And, again, like, nobody's swinging better than Christian Moore. And, you know, there were moments in time this year where, you know, he was a, a headache at the plate or a headache uh, in the field. And, again, just – special, special, uh, you know, weekend for him over there at Clemson as he gets MVP. So, you know, I think the biggest thing you, you take out of all this is, you know, kids are resilient. These kids are resilient. And, you know, they've got a shot because of their arms and the way some of them are swinging it right now. Well, and the other thing, too, you remember, Eric, and, and this is a reminder, and, and I think for a lot of people who are just kind of diving into college 
baseball and, and diving into to the sport, the, the reality is that unlike more so than any other sport played in, in, co- in college, it is a true marathon and not a sprint. Now we talk about basketball. Basketball, you got to be hot at the right time. Obviously, um, there's a little more. You know, one guy can carry you in basketball through the weekend. I, I think baseball is the hardest one to get through postseason because one guy can't win a baseball game for you. I mean, you're not going to get, you know, three one-hit games from from three straight pitchers. That's just not how it works in college baseball. But but what we saw Saturday, I mean, look, they may not be able to put it together for Super. We'll, we'll see. But what we saw Saturday or this weekend is exactly what you said, Eric. The potential finally all came together, and you just have to remember what happened in February doesn't matter. It's, it, it is a true marathon. Um, and, and I think sometimes that all gets lost, right? Because it's the gnashing of the teeth that you didn't win every, every game. Uh, and you have to understand that some, you know, you're not going to win them all in this sport, not, not in baseball. It's going to be really, really hard. And we learned that this week. I mean, Vanderbilt was the best team in the SEC in Hoover, right? And they're at the house. Didn't even make it to the regional Yeah. I mean, so, so you just, I mean, it's a hard, hard sport. And Tennessee picked a great weekend to play their best baseball. The question is, can they do it back-to-back weekends? It's why you play in the SEC, too. I mean, that prepares you for Hoover, which is a marathon if you if you go the distance. And then you play in regional play, which is double elimination. Now you go to Supers, best two out of three. Then you go, if you advance you know, past Supers, you go to Omaha, where it's regional play, and then best of a three-game series to, to win the whole thing. It is so difficult. Uh, again, I go back to mental fortitude where this team not only has gotten better in the field, not only has gotten better at the plate, but just overall mental toughness. Um, this team is mentally tough right now where, I mean, quite frankly, it just wasn't in February and March. And that's okay because, again, you know, a lot of teams are like that. In, in baseball, you know, you get better. It's, it's, it's a long season. So uh, a couple notes I wanted to drop um, in case you hadn't saw it, my 3-2-1 yet uh, from yesterday. So Zane Denton. Only had three hits in the entire weekend, but boy, did he make him count. All three left the yard. He had five RBI. Moore's stat line, uh, regional MVP, seven for 10, four home runs, eight RBI, six runs scored. Uh, he was fantastic. And, and Rob, I agree with you. I thought Chase Burns was incredible. The fact that Tennessee could have only used three pitchers over the course of 14 innings and still were in good shape for Sunday and Monday. And A.J. Russell pitched on Sunday night because he just needed to get in. They were going to save him. You know, Camden could have finished that game. Uh, yeah, I wrote about it last week. I mean, Tennessee's got the arms to go, and it was it was pitcher perfect in that regard at the regional. So now we wait at the time of this recording, and by the time you're listening to this, you know, early Tuesday morning, the announcement's coming up today at 10 o'clock on Tuesday. They'll announce uh, the super regional, you know, matchups and super regional host sites. We will see if Tennessee is going to host, or we'll see if Tennessee is going to be on the road um, of course, there's a big-time game coming up later Monday that needs to be decided first. But regardless, Tennessee's looking forward to preparing as if you're going to host a regional. But if not, you know, the, the road issues, Brent, that kind of plagued this team all year long, doesn't matter anymore. You just went to Clemson. You played in front of a hostile environment. You won in 14 innings. You can win on the road. They've proven something again, and they're playing some really, really good baseball at the perfect time. Well, I mean, they've they've thrown the baseball well for about three or four weeks now pitched it the, the baseball well in my opinion I, I thought they pitched plenty well enough to sweep at South Carolina they obviously threw it well enough to beat Texas A&M uh, in, in Hoover at the SEC tournament and then they were terrific this weekend 
I think that's the best thing right now for this team is that their pitching um, is has been really solid for 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 you know nearly a month now. They were clean behind them um, in, in the field of play, made some incredible plays. I mean, really did. Um, and and they got timely hitting. So we'll, we'll see. Can they keep it all together? I, I don't know. But um, this team is right where you want to be. Okay, when when you go and and you crank the bats up and you're going through winter workouts and you go out and play in the freezing cold in February, you're doing so with one idea in mind, and that is to be playing in a super regional with a chance to go to Omaha. That's the ultimate goal, and that's where Tennessee, for the third straight year, finds themselves, which is a pretty incredible feat, and um, it's something that you got to give this coaching staff a lot of credit for. The, the buttons this year were a lot harder to push. They were a lot harder to find than were a year ago. It's pretty obvious what they were going to be from the first weekend they played baseball last year. That was not the case this year. Like outfield shuffle, batting lineup shuffle, uh, pitching rotation shuffle, all those things. It took most of the season to try to get this team with an identity. Did they find it complete this past weekend? They did. Now can they hold it together for another weekend and give themselves a chance to go to Omaha? We'll see. Tennessee advances to its fifth Super Regional in program history. Um, its first regional win on the road away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That happened this past weekend at the Clemson Regional. Tony Vitello is now 11-2 in regional play as Tennessee's head coach, and Tennessee has won nine straight regional games uh, to this point. So uh, Tennessee's rolling, that's for sure, and we'll see about this weekend. Tennessee baseball is continuing on, playing good baseball at the right time and throwing the baseball the way you anticipated all year long. So looking forward to seeing Tennessee in action this coming up weekend. Appreciate you guys for joining us here on the VolQuest Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday for the Mailbag Podcast. So go ahead and get those questions in over the General's Quarters. For Austin Price, Rob Lewis, Brent Hubbs, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate, as always, our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. For a free estimate, give them a call today at 865-524-5888. Like this video, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already, and don't forget, June promo for VolQuest.com. 50% off your first year or just $1 for three months. Again, 50% off your first year or just $1 for three months. Our June promo at VolQuest.com. Appreciate you guys for being here. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, 
Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.